There's a cold silence that we don't dare speak. There's a wall between us and a river so deep. We keep pretending that there's nothing wrong. There's a code of silence and it can't go on. Hi folks, I am Alan Wolf and this is Cutting to the Matrix on February the 2nd, 2010. For newcomers to the show, I always suggest you look into cuttingthroughthematrix.com. That's one of the main websites. Scroll down, bookmark all the other sites I have up for future use in case the big ones go down again. And I should always mention at the start of the show, the official websites I have. Anything else isn't mine. And there are some people who have put up shows of mine and they don't keep it up to date, so I get the complaints. And it takes me forever to figure out that it's not my sites at all. So these are the official sites, cuttingsforthematrix.com, there's .net, .us, .ca, there's cuttingthrough.jenkins.com, Alan Watt, cuttingsforthematrix.ca, and there's also alanwattsentinel.eu. The Sentinel site is a European site, has all the same audios for download, but it's addition of transcripts of a lot of the talks I've given, and you can choose from the various languages of Europe download them, print them up, and pass them to your friends. And as always, I always tell people that uh, during the tin can shaking one minute, it's up to you to keep me going. Uh, I don't take money from advertisers and, and then bring them on as guests. And so and that's how most hosts get paid, or by pushing those that uh, promote them. Uh, the, advert, uh, the adverts on the show go right to RBN to pay them for their airtime and for the staff and equipment, and it's expensive to run these radio stations. So it's up to you to keep me going, and you can go into cuttingthroughmatrix.com website, see the books, discs, and so on I have for sale. You'll find out how to pay uh, on the website as well. You can use personal check from the U.S. to Canada. You can use international postal money order from the U.S. to Canada from your post office, Stress International. Uh, you can use MoneyGram, Western Union, or Cash. Uh, same outside the Americas, Western Union, MoneyGram, Cash, uh, and PayPal as well. Now, even though it says donate, you can also uh, pay through PayPal. Just send a separate email with your order, and I'll get it out to you. For those that get the discs burned to them and passed to play on the CD players, you can get in touch with me at Alan Watts, Site 41. Box 4, Estere, Ontario, Canada. Postal code is P as in Peter, the number 3, E as in Elizabeth, the number 4, N as in Nora, the number 1, P3, E, 4, N1. But it's important you do this because as everyone sits around expecting everyone else to throw in a buck here and there. And, and when that happens, no one, no one does it. They're all waiting for everyone else to do it. And we live in a time where we take things for granted. We think things are free. Nothing is free. Nothing is free. And I've seen uh, what they've termed in the past patriot radio stations in the past go down because people uh, wouldn't tell them out. They'd, they'd expect everything else to be free. Anything that's truly free out there, it doesn't exist as free. Uh, there's always an angle to it. Uh, everything has its price. And 
truth generally has a price too. As I say, I've seen so many stations over the past this close down. One day they're not there. And that's when everybody screams and hollers, what happened? What happened? Well, if they, it helped out when they were asked all along the way, they'd find out what happens. No one, no one helped out. That's what happens. And the same with a, a lot of radio talk show hosts in the past that tried it the same way as I do by going along. Uh, couldn't get the support. Everybody loves their information. Everybody uses their information, but no one would pay for it. Uh, that's a sad statement on humanity, but it's a true one nevertheless. And we've got to accept that is just the way it is. Now I see the music coming in, and I'll come back with uh, tonight's topics after this break. I am Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix I often go on about reality and people think what on earth is he talking about we all know what reality is, we all live in it and what we're really referring to is the indoctrinations we get every day that we take out for granted as being actually real news and we believe we're kept up to date in a, a very open kind of society uh, often people will point to all the different, the hundreds of radio stations, especially in the U.S., and television stations with their newscasters. It seems impossible that um, they could all be coordinated into deceiving them for any particular reason. But they don't realize that all these newscasters get their sources from two main news sources, uh, the AP and the, the Reuters and that's where really all data comes from in this day and age, apart from your local news as to what your council is doing. But if you even look into your local newspapers, you'll find organizations uh, to do with greening, etc., and you don't realize that all of those organizations are, are not your local spontaneous grassroots movements that are revising your council. They all belong to the United Nations. These kind of things are never mentioned by the mainstream. They want to keep you in the dark. And reality is really a form of obedience. It's a system in which we live. We're born into it. Your parents were born into it. They believed it. They didn't question it. Uh, they'd complain about parties and what they were doing in politics, but they didn't ever catch on to the fact that there's a bigger uh, program underway. And what was really behind it, it seemed absurd even to, to go beyond the usual uh, party politics to find out that there's something else guiding this world. And academia, of course, is entirely different. Uh, that's why they don't talk so much about uh, partial politics. Uh, they, they talk about uh, terms like um, Darwinism, uh, technocracy, and stuff like this. Uh, ideas that came out from the, idea, from the time of Darwin, uh, where science was risen to take over from existing religions and even existing political organizations where they believe in the 1800s that, uh, you, you, that scientists had the rights through pure rationalism to run the world and guide the world as to where they thought it should actually go. Uh, so it's, it depends where you are in life and what you're involved in in life as to what your idea of reality happens to be. If you go by your newspapers, forget it. That's, that's your left-right paradigm. And as you, if you notice today too, every especially in the last, I'd say, five years, 
uh, we've found that advisory co- uh, boards are on uh, everybody's governments uh, today, unelected advisory boards made up of supposed academia and scientific specialists. This is the rise of technocracy that's supposed to take us over and bring us into a planned society where our whole way of life is to be altered completely. Remember the Club of Rome were, were given the, t- the, the job uh, the members of the Club of Rome were given the job, the task of finding a way to unite humanity, to unite them under a common cause, maybe a war-type scenario, uh, so that we'd give up our rights, go along with all the new ideas they'd give to us, but ultimately to bring in a controlled, ordered, planned society. That means family planning uh, for everyone across the entire planet in a post-nationalistic um, world. Uh, an interdependent society with a global order. And that's, again, what the United Nations is ultimately supposed to rise up to that occasion to be the boss of all of this, corrupt as they are, mind you. But um, we never get beyond that, uh, that so much has been really planned for us and our education goes towards this creation of a reality to foster obedience to a system. That's really what your education is all about. And it is very true that you're, you're told very little about reality while you're in school. You're told all you need to know by your masters. And they certainly discourage uh, thinking outside of the box in academia. You parrot what your professor says and you get good marks and you, you come through. That means you're given a scroll at the end, your head is squared, and that means that you've given a, a quality approval stamp to join their system and work for them, your masters in this world. But you'll never really figure it out for yourself. There is a good uh, article here on carbon currency. Now, this fits into this topic, carbon currency. I have told you already that this carbon tax and so on is not just to be put on a big business and big corporations, is to come down to you, how much you will cost society from birth to death. And you're going to pay for it, you see. You will get personal tax, carbon tax um, invoices or bills coming from the governments uh, across the world. That is part of it. And this goes back again into technocracy. This article here is uh, called Carbon Currency, A New Beginning for Technocracy by Patrick Wood, uh, January the 26th, 2010, Canada Free Press. And it says here, Critics who think that the U.S. dollar will be replaced by some new global currency are perhaps thinking too small. In the world, on the world horizon looms a new global currency that could replace all paper currencies and the economic system upon which they're based. The new currency, simply called carbon currency, is designed to support a revolutionary new economic system based on energy, production and consumption instead of price. Our current price-based economic system and its related currencies that have supported capitalism, socialism, fascism and communism is being herded into the slaughterhouse in order to make way for a new carbon-based world. It is plainly evident that the world is laboring under a dying system of price-based economics as evidenced by the rapid decline of paper currencies. The era of fiat or irredeemable paper currency was introduced in 71 
when President Richard Nixon decoupled the U.S. dollar from gold. Actually, it was it was already in fractional reserve long before that. Because of the dollar turned fiat uh, was the world's primary reserve asset, because the dollar was its primary asset. All other currencies eventually followed suit, leaving us today with a global sea of paper that is increasingly undesired, unstable, and unusable. The deadly economic state of today's world is a direct reflection of the sum of its sick and dying currencies, but this could soon change. Forces are already at work to position a new carbon currency as the ultimate solution for global calls for poverty reduction, population control, environmental control, global warming, energy allocation, and blanket distribution of economic wealth. That's the real reasons for this con game of of environmental control, uh, global warming, and so on. This is the real reasons behind it. That's what they they dreamt up at the Club of Rome, remember. And it says here, unfortunately for individual people living in this new system, it will also require an authoritarian and centralized government or control over all aspects of life from cradle to grave. What is carbon currency and how does it work? In a nutshell, carbon currency will be based on the regular allocation of available energy to the people of the world. If not used within a period of time, the currency will expire like monthly minutes on your cell phone plan so that the same people can receive a new allocation based on new energy production quotas for the next period. Now, I've mentioned before Bertrand Russell, who wrote in the 40s about this very system, when he said that uh, eventually the government will dish out uh, credits to the public. And, of course, now we know it will be carbon credits. But he said the same thing. Uh, everyone would get the, everyone on the bottom level will get the, start off with the same amounts. You can't save it up. It starts at the same amount every Monday. And that's all to do with control. This is not a new idea. It's an ongoing movement by a very well-organized group that's been here for an awful long time. It says, because the energy supply chain is already dominated by the global elite, setting energy production quotas will limit the amount of carbon currency in circulation at any one time. It will also naturally limit manufacturing, food production, and people movement. Local currencies could remain in play for a time, but they would eventually wither and be fully replaced by the carbon currency, much the same way that the euro displaced individual European currencies over a period of time. Sounds very modern in concept, doesn't it? In fact, these ideas date back to the 1930s. It's actually much older, when hundreds of thousands of U.S. citizens were embracing a new political ideology called technocracy and the promise it held for a better life. Uh, actually, I've got writings from the, the organizations in the 1800s talking about it uh, for, for the minutes of their meetings. Even now, classic literature was heavily influenced by technocracy. George Orwell's 1984, H.G. Wells' The Shape of Things to Come, and Huxley's Scientific Dictatorship in Brave New World. Uh, this paper investigates the rebirth of technocracy and its potential to recast the new world order into something truly new and also totally unexpected by the vast majority, majority of modern critics. Then it goes into the background. Technocracy found its roots in the scientific autocracy of Henry de Saint-Simon, 1760-1825, and the positivism of Auguste Comte. They also call it modernists, the modernist movement. Uh, 1796-1857, the father of the social sciences, uh, communist really. Postum uh, elevated science and the scientific method above metaphysical revelation. 
And that's what communism is based on. Technocrats embraced positivism because they believed that social progress was possible only through science and technology. And that's from Schunk, Learning Theories and Educational Perspective. Uh, I think it's the fifth edition, or fifth chapter, 315, page 315. The social movement of technocracy with its energy-based accounting system can be traced back to the 1930s when an obscure group of engineers and scientists offered it as a solution to the Great Depression. Uh, the principal scientist behind technocracy was Mr. King Hubbard, or Hubert, M. King Hubbard, a young geoscientist who would later in 1948-56 invent the now famous peak oil theory, another con game, also known as the, the Hubbard's peak theory. And I'll be back with more on this very interesting article and topic after this break. Hi folks, I am Alan Watts and we're cutting through the matrix, just going through technocracy, called other things too, the, the modernist movement. They had different terms for it, just like today they have many terms for Agenda 21, uh, because it wasn't a very, it really it, was a, it wasn't uh, well accepted by all the public because it, it guaranteed and was sworn to destroy all previous types of governments. That's why it was hand in glove with communism, and that's why communists actually adopted that whole theory that science should rule over everything else. That's all religions, uh, all other types of being, basically. This article goes on to say that uh, Hubbard and uh, Scott formed an an organization called Technocracy, Inc., as says, founders of the organization and political movement called Technocracy, Inc., uh, they, they authored different books, etc. Technocracy postulated that only scientists and engineers. Now, here we go. This is exactly where we are today. If you look at the panel that's behind Obama, the panel behind Brown and previously Blair and Britain and, and every other country that signed on to the UN, they all have their panels of these scientists. It says, engineers were capable of running a complex technology-based society. Because technology, they reason, changed the social nature of societies. Previous methods of government and economy were made obsolete. They disdained politicians and bureaucrats, whom they viewed as incompetent. By utilizing the scientific method and scientific management techniques, technocrats hoped to squeeze the massive inefficiencies out of running a society thereby providing more benefits for all members of society while consuming less resources. Very important part, consuming less resources. The other integral part of technocracy was to implement an economic system, an economic system based on energy allocation. Here you go. This is an old, an old movement. An energy allocation rather than a price. They proposed to replace traditional money with energy credits. That's where we are today, pushed through the Rockefeller Foundation and all the other foundations, which do comprise the parallel of government, by the way. Their keen focus on the efficient use of energy is likely the first hint of a sustained ecological environmental movement in the United States, because that's exactly where they were. It's the same bunch today, the society that's come down through the generations, and they've tied environmentalism ecological uh, sustainability, 
all together with a, a monetary system that will keep all this in check and help them to control it all. That means controlling all of us. And this, this site also has a lot of quotes by a lot of the players in it um, that, that are well known today. So it's well worth uh, looking at this article. And I'll put the link up on my site at the end of the show. Just go into cuttingthroughthematrix.com. Uh, that depends if uh, ExploreNet, the satellite company I, I upload with, graces me uh, with a, enough period, a time period to upload because I'm heavily censored today. And they cut me right back till I can't watch any videos at all. So anybody who, who sends me video links, please burn me copies and send them. I can't do it anymore. It takes five hours now to upload all the shows uh, to the sites because they've cut me by at least, uh, that's actually more than two-thirds speed. But they, they, they still take the same amount of money for high speed from me. So I'm being blackmailed by ExploreNet very deliberately. Now, here's another a good website for vaccines. We know the con of vaccines. By the way, that ties in with the last article because they also talked, H.G. Wells and Russell and all the rest of them, talked about using the needle and pharmacology to control the public. Uh, it's very, very interesting. And they also meant, that also meant keeping, um, using the needle to even sterilize the public. Written about long ago, 20s and 30s and even beforehand. Now, this article is from NVIC Vaccine News from the 29th of the 1st, 2010 by Barbara Lowe Fisher. And she talks about, uh, uh, really, it's what happens when you go against the system, when you work for the system. She talks about the day uh, I met Andrew Wakefield. This is with Barbara Lowe Fisher, uh, Andrew Wakefield, Dr. Wakefield. It was September the 12th, 97, and he had just flown to Dulles Airport from London the night before to speak at the first international public conference on vaccination sponsored by the National Vaccine Information Centre. The title of his talk was Measles Virus and Measles Vaccine Lessons to be Learned. It was five months before he and 12 other physician colleagues who would publish a study in the Lancet, uh, that's what they did, calling for more research and a possible association between inflammatory bowel disease, MMR vaccine and developmental delays in some children. Uh, it says here, I, I met Dr. Wakefield that day in 97 in the auditorium where the conference was to take place as he was trying to decide what to do with a slide that identified him as being employed by the Royal Free Hospital. You see, he'd received a telephone threat from London in the middle of the night, warning him that if he spoke at our conference, he might not have a job when he returned to Britain. That's the power of licensing. That's what licensing is for, by the way. He then described to me the intense pressure he'd been under from senior health officials in Britain uh, to withdraw from our conference. It says, in September 1997, uh, he was a British gastroenterologist, a rising star, basically, in the world of experimental medicine. He'd received awards and scholarships for original research into the pathogenesis of etiology of inflammation of bowel disease, including Crohn's. He had a bright future ahead of him until he examined children suffering with both inflammatory bowel disease and developmental de delays. And I've mentioned how it can go to the brain and the bowel before these shots. Back with more after this break.
You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. Hi folks, I am Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix reading an article from NVIC Vaccine News to do with what happens to really good doctors who are investigating certain areas that are taboo. And believe it or not, you know, they like to present medicine along with other scientists as, or sciences as actual sciences. If, if they are sciences, then nothing should be taboo. No investigation should be taboo. Even when they come up with findings, the whole idea is to go over them and try to replicate uh, what led up to those findings. And that's how you, you start to get to truth. But we have these incredible medical um, decrees from on high that says this is the, the, what we've found, this is the law and don't go any further with it. And if you buck the system, you suffer. And this is what happened to this young uh, British gastroenterologist who was a rising star in the world of experimental medicine. It says here, uh, he had a bright future ahead of him until he examined children suffering from both with both inflammatory bowel disease and developmental delays and decided to investigate the reports by parents that their once normal children regressed and began exhibiting symptoms of autism after getting an MMR shot. It's astonishing to me too because you see, Autism used to be noticeable basically from birth onwards, that the child did not go through the, the normal milestones of seeing dada at a certain age, crawling at a certain age, and so on. Uh, that was a standard type of autism. And then in came this new one. They were normal up to they got their shot, and then they regressed. This is the, the normal new type that's all over the place. It says here, so Andrew Wakefield and I were standing in the conference auditorium five months before The Lancet, that's the main medical uh, journal in Britain, was published. I told him that he did not have to speak at our conference. I told him it was not worth losing his job. And I told him I could look back and count the doctors lying on the road who had lost their careers because they dared to conduct research into or speak about vaccine risks. I told him his own colleagues would hang him for challenging the status quo. Despite the fact he'd been threatened by senior doctors in positions of authority, demanding that he withdraw from our conference, Andrew Wakefield refused my offer to stand down. He said that if he did not speak at our conference, he would always be afraid, and he was not going to live in fear for the rest of his life. And then we sat down and had a long talk about freedom of thought, conscience, and scientific inquiry, and so on and so on and so on. And I knew then that despite my warnings to Andrew Wakefield that he could lose everything if he tried to investigate or speak out about vaccine risks, this man was not going to stand down. He's going to risk it all. It was a moment I will never forget because I knew the price he would pay for standing up to colleagues ordering him, ordering him to salute smartly and remain silent. Today, doctors in positions of authority in Britain who have sought to intimidate Andrew Wakefield even before the February 1998 Lancet article was published have declared through the General Medical Council that he and two other brave doctors who refused to recant their conclusions of the Lancet article are guilty of professional misconduct. That's what they're branded them as, guilty of professional misconduct. 
the General Medical Council does not operate a legal court of law. It is rather a medical court of opinion where doctors can sanction other doctors and, in effect, hang their own. So I'll put this article up too, the link up on my website at the end of the show. Uh, that's the reality of the world. It's far different from the way it's presented by the supposed exposés in the media, which are generally cover-ups in themselves. Uh, pretty disgusting, isn't it? Pretty disgusting. Now, I've talked about the scandals within the United Nations and how the special investigations teams is set up to investigate their own within the UN uh, after the oil for food scandal where the head of uh, the United Nations, the Supreme Hutzpah, uh, was involved in raking in a lot of personal cash for oil for food on Iraq at the time. And of course they they shifted the blame to his son and he said, oh, I knew nothing about it as his Swiss bank account swelled into obscenity. But here's another article here. These characters at the top, you've got to understand how they get up there. They're they're, they're not just left-wing. They're they're, they're psychopaths who scent the change of where it's all going to go, where, where it's approved by the big boys who really run the world, the guys that run all the big foundations, the multi, multi trillionaires. They sniff it and they get in on it at the bottom level. And if it's uh, as for ecology and sustainability, they immediately learn all this stuff and parrot it off and claw their way to the top. And this is this is about one of the characters I've mentioned before, Dr. Ranjendra Pachori, who is the head of the IPCC, the panel of liars who make up the this. Um, Group who say, oh, we're all going to die. We're all going to die because of, because it's global warming. The idea dreamed up by the Club of Rome, remember, that was their job to dream up that, that whole idea. They're utter liars and they are psychopaths. And uh, this character should even be near children. And I'm not kidding about it. Now, there's a thing about a psychopath. They cannot help but show their ego. They love to show off. Because a psychopath is pure ego. They would kill the world, destroy the world before their ego must get hurt. The world revolves around themselves. They've got an incredible opinion of themselves, how smart they are. You'll find this with serial killers, etc., who think they're so clever, and, and they're always quiet. And, and once they get caught, though, they, they want the reporters in so they can boast of how clever they were. This is a standard thing. Well, here's another way of showing the same thing, you see. There's many ways to do it. And um, this article here is from the Telegraph. It says, revealed the racy novel. It's actually a pornographic novel written by the world's most powerful climate scientist. See how he's any other things as well. You can imagine how he spends his spare time, by the way. This is the chair of the United Nations panel on climate change, Dr. Rajenda Pachuri, has taken a break from writing academic papers, uh, academic papers on global warming to pen a racy romantic, they call it romantic, being very kind, uh, a romantic novel, 30th of January 2010. As the UN's climate change chief, Dr. Agenda Pachuri has spent his career writing only the driest of academic articles. Well, actually, his staff will do that for him, you know. But the latest offering from the chairman of the UN's climate change panel is an altogether racier tome. Some might even suggest Dr. Pachuri's first novel is, frankly, smutty. I'd go a lot further than that. 
is called Return to Almora, published uh, in Dr. Pachuri's Native India earlier this month. And it tells the story of Sanjay Nath, a, a fictional character. That was, that's Pachuri's alter ego, right? An academic in his 60s, reminiscing on his spiritual journey through India, Peru, and the U.S. I should actually say this is, this is the standard form uh, that's written for travel. Uh, actually, I've seen it some gay travel sites. Someone sent me uh, one on a very uh, prominent person who does the travel sites for major TV companies, but he's also got a, a, a gay site on the side, tells you where all the, the best fun is for guys and so on. So there's, there's actually a, a method to the way this, this guy's writing. I can tell that just by that. So a spiritual journey through India, Peru, and U.S. On the way, uh, Pachuri's alter ego here, he encounters, among others, Shirley MacLaine, the actress who appears as a character in the book, remember the reincarnation and I Am God stuff. While relations between Sanjay and MacLaine remain platonic, he enjoys sex, a lot of sex, with a lot of women. And breathless prose that risks making Dr. Pachori, who will be 70 this year, a laughingstock among the serious high-minded scientists and world leaders with whom he mixes, he details sexual encounter after a sexual encounter. The book, which makes reference to the Kama Sutra, starts promisingly enough as it tells the story of a climate expert with a lament for the denuded mountain slopes of Nenital in northern India, where deforestation by the timber mafia and politicians has endangered the, fra- the fragile ecosystem. That's probably timber for, for food uh, plan there, you know. But talk of denuding is a clue of what's to come. On page 16, Sanjay is ready for his first liaison with May in a hotel room in Nenital. He then, she, led, she then led him into the bedroom, writes Dr. Pachori. She removed her gown, slipped off her nightie and slid under the quilt on his bed. Sanji put his arms round her and kissed her, first with quick caresses, and then the kisses becoming longer and more passionate. And they probably gave a lot of CO2 there in the process as well, I imagine. May slipped his clothes off one by one, showing, um, removing her lips from his for no more than a second or two. Then it goes on and on. After the sex and so on, she, she held him close. Sandy, I've learned something for the first time today. You're absolutely superb after meditation. Why don't we make love every time immediately after you have meditated? So there's meditation ecology wrapped in with a, a lot of uh, sexual promiscuity. More follows, including Sanji and friends queuing to have sexual encounters with Sani. So prostitutes as well, you see. It's okay. An impoverished but willing local Sanjay saw a shapely, dark-skinned girl lying on Vinny's bed. He was overcome by a lust that he had never known before. He removed his clothes and began to feel Sinny's body caressing her voluptuous breasts. Ah, sadly for Sanjay, writes Doctor Pachuri, the excitement got the better of him, and he could, and he could even before he could even get started. While teaching medication to women in the U.S., Sanjay can once more barely contain his ardor. Because, of course, they all think they're rather easy in the U.S. That's a common uh, thing. Again, breasts usually having uh, heaving or else voluptuous are, are thrust to the fore. He enjoyed the sensation of gently pushing Susan's shoulders back a few inches, an action that served to lift her breasts even higher, blah, 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 blah. This is the head. And I can go on and on and on. He's even got group sex in here, too, and orgies. And sadomasochistic sex. This is the guy that the liar that's at the head of the IPCC who's lied over and over and over showing his psychopathic traits right in front of the world. Right in front of the world. 
This is a Peace Prize winner. You wouldn't let your, I wouldn't let my dog near him. I'm not kidding you. Never mind a daughter or some. This guy is dangerous. Yeah, you don't have to be a a top a, a top specialist to, to notice that this guy is absolutely a sicko. Uh, what can you say? This is the guys in charge of the IPCC that are churning out all this this fakery. Who've been caught with lying after lying after lying about things. These are the psychopaths who run, help run all the con games that we've all to obey and get taxed on. What do you think of that, see? Now here's another article on Paturi uh, from the Mail Online. Controversial climate change boss uses his car and driver to travel one mile to his office, but he says you should use the public transports. This is 31st of January 2010. He's a climate change chief whose research body produced a report warning that the glaciers in the Himalayas might melt by 2035. That's because Baturi and all his boys are having sex on them, I think, and earned a Nobel Prize for his work. So you might expect Dr. Agenda Baturi to be doing everything he can to reduce his own carbon footprint. But his controversy continued to simmer last week over the bogus Glacier Gate claims in a report by the UN's Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, which he heads. Dr. Pachuri showed no apparent inclination to cut global warming in his own backyard. On Friday, for the one-mile journey from home to his Delhi office, Dr. Pachuri could have walked or cycled or used the eco-friendly electric car provided for him, known in the UK as G-Whiz. G-Whiz. But instead, he had his personal chauffeur collect him from his 4.5 million pound home, which, by the way, he got because his own private company in Eco is gets all this uh, this grant money thrown at him in a 1.8 liter Toyota Corolla. Hours later, the chauffeur picked up Dr. Pachuri from the office of an environmental charity, where he is director general. A charity, the Energy and Resources Institute blatantly ignoring the Institute's own literature, which gives visitors tips on how to reduce pollution by using buses. These guys make you utterly sick. And you know, it's the same, <laughs> it's the same as the Soviet system, this world Soviet system. Remember what the, the, the Rees Commission said, they blend the Soviet system with that of the West. And, and they've done it, basically. Where in the Soviet system, um, you need passes to go everywhere even outside your own local area. You, only the, the wealthy elite for years and years could have the cars, the chauffeur-driven cars. Everybody else had to walk it, the shank's pony, or take a bicycle or something. And only gradually, did, did, after 10 years in a waiting list, you might get one of these rotten cars that kept breaking down. That's also the reason, by the way, too, uh, that they're making it harder and harder and, and more of a hassle to get on board a flight because the head's or British Aviation that works for the British government, the minister or politician appointed to oversee it, said we are deliberately discouraging air travel because of pollution. So in the future, it will be just like the old Soviet was. There will be um, officials and bureaucrats and VIPs only, and they won't have any checks to go through. That's what's coming down the pike. There's always another reason, remember, and always a, a good reason for the public, and then there's a real reason. Quite something. Quite, quite something. You can go on and on with these psychos, though. I mean, you could do show after show on them, where you get into their personal cons and scams 
and how they, they channel and funnel the money into their own coffers and just just give the finger to the whole planet. That's a psychopath for you. Airport scanners, part, as I say, to put you off of, of traveling altogether in this brave new world where we'll all be living in our regions, right down to our local area, and that's where you, you'll, be, you'll have to stay. Airport scanners to go live today, children included, from the register. It's called the Peeping Tom You Can't Refuse. Body scanners went into operation at Heathrow and Manchester airports this morning. People chosen by security staff will not be allowed onto flights without going through the machine from now on. This this guy, I can't believe the names they give these cats. Lord Adonis. Adonis. Lord Adonis. Said he expected more machines to go live later this month, with further examples to be introduced at Birmingham Airport soon. Anyone selected for the scanners must go through the machine. There's no option to choose a pat-down search instead, so they lied again, right? <laughs> I'll keep the schmucks happy, tell them they got a pat-down until we got them up, and then we'll just make them go through it. Children can also be selected from scanning, despite early concerns that taking such images could breach child pornography laws. A spokesman for the Department of Transport said this was a pro- proportional response on national security grounds. They can do anything to you. On the ground, anything, the grounds of national security. But it's true, this is going to be a great boon for child pornography, and I'm sure Dr. Pachuri and all that kind of ilk will just love it. A spokeswoman at Heathrow confirmed the machines had gone live, but said it was too early to gauge passenger response. The government has issued an interim code of practice which requires airport operators to put in place a privacy policy <laughs> to protect passengers. <laughs> That's the music, folks. I'll be back with more after this break. Hi, folks. I am Alan Watt, and this is Cutting Through the Matrix. And I'll just finish. There's no, there's no callers that I see. You know, it's, the page isn't updated. But oh, there is someone here. Okay, there's nothing on this the page though. So, uh, there's someone from New York. Are you there? Yeah. Hi, Alan. Yeah. Who is it? Dion, Alan. How are you doing? I'm all right. I'm, well, you know what? I, I can't really uh, say that and mean it. You know what I mean? You, I know. <laughs> um, but anyway, I wanted to mention um, this Sunday was the 52nd Grammy Awards. Mm-hmm. And uh, they had some performances there that were just. In your face indoctrination. Yes. Um, the first one is like the biggest biggest act right now called Lady Gaga. Oh yeah, okay, I've got some stuff on her. Lady Gaga, and, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, she played with Sir Elton John. Mm-hmm. Um, she has a lot of subliminals in her uh, song. Oh, I've got a whole list of stuff. You're right. She's got. She's taken. They've taken her in almost nude into Masonic temples and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the second was uh, Beyonce Knowles. She sings a song called Up- Upgrade You. Yes. But uh, on this performance, she sings If I Was a Boy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and all the while, she's surrounded by uh, these SWAT team storm- stormtrooper dancers. It's crazy. Really? Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. you got to see it. And uh, third, which is, I think, the worst, is uh, the Black Eyed Peas. Uh-huh. They do a song called um, I'm a Bee, which is like a short... Like dumbed down way of saying I'm gonna be. Uh huh. 
and the, they're just repeating the whole time, I'm a B, I'm a B, I'm, I'm a, a B. B. Yeah. Do you understand? Sure. Where I'm going with this? Yeah. Yeah. Um, maybe you could tell your new listeners what the whole B thing and, and uh, with Masons, what that's all about. And uh, a great line in that is, I'm a B, the upgraded new Negro. Really? Yeah, and at the end he yells out, welcome to the future. So if anyone missed that, um, you can see all the performances online. It's just, it's really, you got to laugh at it. It's so crazy, you know? What night was that on? This is a Sunday. On Sunday. Okay. okay. I'll get someone to look into the that for teams, me. It, everything was, was this Masonic, uh, futuristic. Mm -hmm. Oh, and, and the Black Eyed Peas, their, their album cover is this green digital man. Oh, green digital man. Interesting that, too, because even that's Masonic. They call every Mason a green man. A man of nature, yeah, yeah. Um, I was wondering, Alan, are you working on any new book? I am, uh, to, to be honest with you, but the problem is I've got so much on the go too, uh, so it takes a little while to do. And uh, you're surprised at the work I do every day from morning till night, including weekends, just just getting through this stuff here and answering the the, the emails, etc. I have to answer, um, and and doing write-ups for other other articles as well. So it's just, I hope to get something out soon. But, and, but things are moving so fast, it's so much, yeah. yeah. Yes, I'd like to recommend your books to uh, the audience. I, I bought them, I was really surprised, because especially the Cutting Through series, Yeah. Um, you read it, and I was like a little confused the whole way, but at the end of it, it comes together, and it's like really re rewarding, and it's really cool. I mean, I just, I, I got to recommend it to your uh, listeners. Yeah, it's a form of de-indoctrination because we're, we think linearly, we're, we're taught linearly. I try and burst through that and make your, your mind start to work itself and think for itself, yeah. Yeah, it was really weird. It was like the weirdest book in a good way, like different. It's, it wasn't like a book I, I've read, and I was really glad to uh, get it. So thanks, yeah. Alan, and uh, I'll let you go. Well, thanks for calling. All right, see you. Bye now. But I tell you, it's, uh, yeah, this, this right in front. They've even got, uh, an article out now. It was about the Hollywoods. They have their own Grammys and Emmys and Oscars now for the porno industry as well. I didn't know that. Where else but Hollywoods, eh? Uh, the, the above scene is always in the below scene. The overworld, the underworld. Uh, these guys run both sides of it. From Hamish myself from Ontario, Canada, it's good night to me or God or your gods go with you.